Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with uh, another episode of our Ecom show and today I'm here with uh, Sufyan and uh, he's from Pakistan originally and nowadays he lives in uh, London and he, back then a few months ago he reached out to me uh, to shoot a podcast episode and I was in his podcast and now I also wanted him to be in uh, our podcast so basically he helps e-commerce businesses with his agency focusing on facebook advertising and today we will focus uh, on this topic the recent ios changes and how to create uh, almost like a factory of uh, of creatives good facebook ad creatives and i know he also has a lot of experience with different markets not just western uh european and american markets so we also attach uh we will also touch those things um but first how are you today i'm very good man very good thank you thank you so much for having me yeah great to have you here so we always start with some personal story and i'm really curious how did you end up in the world of online advertising and what uh what did you do before so at the time I got into online advertising, I had just gotten married um, and I was in my final year of uh, university. Um, and as a married man, you need money to be a married man. So um, I started looking at different vehicles, basically, um, as to you know where I could make some money. Uh, <clears throat> initially, I was like getting pitched things like MLM, which I never went for. Um, I tried a bit of Amazon FBA uh didn't really have too much success there uh and obviously having no capital to start out with um you know a business model with as little investment as possible made the most sense to me um so i started to basically just reach out to local businesses um i started you know in the variety of different uh sort of verticals within local businesses um and from there had a bit of success there um but i realized one of the big issues with local businesses was um, you didn't have control over the sales process. So you can send somebody leads all day long, but if they can't close them, you're you're pretty much yeah. worthless to them. Versus when you send traffic to a website, provided that the website is you know relatively decent, you have pretty much autonomy over the results that you generate. There's nobody else really involved apart from, as I said, some of the CRO stuff. Um, but back then when I got into it, even CRO wasn't even as prominent as it is now um and so i started to reach out to e-commerce businesses um i started working for free initially uh and then one makeup brand basically took a chance on me um and we we trialed with her for free um after she saw the results she was happy to pay me that turned into a string of referrals for the agency um which led me to actually being able to hire uh, and then fast forward to now um that's kind of kind of still the trajectory that we're following to be honest Okay, that's a great story. So you also tried different things before before the most current one. Yeah. And uh, I think it's with almost everyone. It's never like you start 
you start something and you become su successful from you know that that is a saying i think that uh, most overnight successes they they take 10 years <laughs> and I, i really like that one yeah. um, so let's talk about facebook so um where to start so maybe just a simple question in your opinion what's what's the what's the key to success with facebook advertising and what this should how how the, how facebook should help businesses e-commerce businesses and how not so what are those areas what uh, maybe e-commerce business owners they think facebook will save their business but in fact it doesn't um mm. that's an interesting I just, question I, i just talked to a guy from the us like one hour ago and he's thinking about uh, changing their email agency and i asked him why he's not happy and then he said that the agency has amazing results great engagement open a click rate uh, percentage of revenue from email but they don't grow their business and that's probably the uh, job of the ceo i guess and uh, he didn't like my answer but you know email marketing but also facebook marketing and it, it won't do everything for the business it doesn't do the whole job so that's why yeah. i'm asking yeah i think a lot of people perceive it to be that way as well like they think okay i'm gonna get to a certain point i'm gonna hire an agency um and they're kind of gonna take over for me um but that's not actually the case like unless your business is and I, i tweeted this out today unless your business is making money hand over fist where you're scrambling to even uh you know fulfill the orders like there is still so much more that requires that, that requires to be done from you um operationally especially on the creative front um because typically a lot of the brands that we've worked with in the past and that we work with generally don't want us to own the creative process uh they want to own it themselves they want to control the brand voice the brand image etc which is understandable but they have to also accept the trade off that the there's going to be a volume discrepancy between how much creative they can actually produce on their own because they're focusing on so many different things versus if they handed it off to somebody else who was you know equally if not more competent but their sole responsibility was to create that content was to come up with concepts and angles and marketing uh, ideas you know how much further along they would actually be so i think that is one of the big things that that brands neglect they think we're going to hire a media buying agency we're going to send them website images um, and you know whatever they can do with that they can do but the reality is especially since you know you touched on it at the beginning um of the with the iOS changes and everything uh the number of controllable variables in the ad account is drastically reducing on a day-to-day -day basis because hmm. you know audience quality is going down audience size is going down when it comes to retargeting um you know funnel structures and campaign structures are are quickly becoming not a thing of the past but but more redundant than they have been uh, in the past like 12 to 24 months let's say um and so one of the big things that you do have control over still is your marketing message is your uh, brand voice and how you communicate that through your creative and your copy which i think is going to be like the only thing that you can control and then it becomes a whole another discussion of how do you actually even track uh, what you're doing is is making a difference um and i think there is like 
you know, you have to adopt a more bird's eye view towards these sorts of things um, nowadays. But before you could log into your ad account and you could see to the closest 10 or 20% exactly how well your ads were doing in terms of revenue. But now it's crazy. Like we see campaigns that report within Facebook that have like a 0.5. And then if we look at it on the back end with the UTMs and the tracking, they're doing like a three or four OS. And it's like, well, you know, it, it becomes very, very difficult at that stage. Yeah, that's very interesting. And maybe is there any data on, or any research on the decrease of of, uh, of data that we can track? I mean, Facebook are very hush-hush about this sort of stuff because they don't want to scare people away. So they don't, like, they would never even tell you how many data points they have. Yeah. Although we know it's millions on individual people, like crazy numbers. But I think one of the big things that I saw was... Um, I can't remember who the agency was, so I can't credit them, but um, they produced a data studio report, which basically tracked the iOS adoption rate um, kind of within the first three weeks of the the update going out. Um, and it was fairly stable. And then there was a time I, I, about four or five weeks ago, I want to say, where Apple started to make the update more mandatory than they had done with previous updates. And it was obvious why, because they're at war with Facebook. And so overnight pretty much the adoption rates kind of went up from 25% up to about 66-67%. So you can imagine a the impact that it has on on the actual existing audiences that you already have whether whether it's your email list that you've uploaded to Facebook or your your pixel data or whatever else you know those numbers are going to be drastically reduced as a result of people opting out. Um and then the second thing is how much that loss of data over the longer term is going to impact the algorithm because before it could like you could easily spend a thousand dollars a day multiple thousand dollars a day on like broad targeting just defining an age range and maybe a gender and a location yeah now you can't really do that um because the data points that facebook has on people although they're still you know crazy amount they're drastically uh you know going down over time so that makes the algorithm uh, less sophisticated in being able to actually track and find users um, who will purchase your products, who will become a lead or whatever else it is that you're trying to do. Um, so that that that's something that I found pretty interesting, that report about the adoption rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very interesting. Uh, so overall, we can say that this change increased the importance of creatives, right? Because we should uh, manage and and deal with things what we can control and uh, we can control less things now and uh, but still one of them is the creative so we should focus even more on that um, yeah do you think or, or do you experience that when you start out with a new client that uh, they are surprised by the amount of creatives they uh, have to create or or i don't know if you create it for them we can discuss it too but uh, I'm almost sure that they are surprised, right? We also have it with emails, but I think uh, actually emails, it, ha it needs less creatives than Facebook ads, but still many times they are surprised. Oh, you need great quality uh, product photos. Okay, we need them <laughs> and these kind <laughs> of things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I had a client um, like tell me, I think it was a month and a half ago, um, basically they had sent us we we had them on board for about a month and they had sent us five or six different videos um and 
basically we went back to them and said like we've tested these videos in a variety of different ways they haven't performed how we would have liked and so we need to refresh the content uh, and they basically came back to us and said listen if we produce any more content uh, if we increase the volume of the content that we produce, our team will basically kill themselves. Like that's too much workload for them to handle. Hmm. So I was like, okay, well then that's when we, we kind of made it a little bit more collaborative. Um, and it can be minor changes as well. Like, you know, you mentioned email and email is probably one of the easier platforms to create content for because, you know, Photoshop uh, and a good designer can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. There are um, no videos in emails. That's exactly. also a big thing. Yeah. The furthest you'll probably go with that is maybe a GIF. Um, and even those are pretty easy to yeah. do. Um, but with yeah. Facebook, yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised at the amount of, of content they have to produce. But also, the they don't understand, I think, at the moment at least, or even the more sophisticated business owners do, obviously, but they don't understand the rate at which creatives get tested. That you can determine pretty quickly whether or not a creative is a winner or a loser. Uh, and if you've hedged your bets on three creatives for the month uh, and they're entirely new, you have ad spend for like, let's say it takes three days, for example, you've got 27 or 26 days, depending on the month that you have no creative for, in which case it then becomes a, t uh, a task of like, you know, just repeating the same action over and over again, trying to achieve a different outcome. Uh, and that's when I think uh, people like burn out, they get disgruntled with Facebook ads, they like Facebook ad doesn't work. Uh, all of these different things that you hear all the time or, you know, we tried this and we tried that, but how effectively did you really do it? And I think creative is just, and I think even if you go one level above creative, like I think a lot of brands struggle with congruence in their marketing overall, the same brand voice, the same messaging across multiple channels, because yeah. if you speak a certain way in your ad, but then all of your website copy is in a different tone or a different message, that massively disrupts the user's experience because they don't know what to expect from you. Um, and I think having that congruence is, is, is important for the creatives, obviously. But I think if you look even one level above that, um, it starts with the brand voice. It starts with the brand message. It starts with what the ethos and the principles of the brand are. And then it kind of, you know, trickles down to the rest of the creatives or emails or whatever else it is that you do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think many brands, uh, I, I wouldn't even call them brands at that stage. So uh, they don't have these values written down and, uh, and their principles and all of those. And if these are not written down, it's hard to communicate to partner agencies and to their employees. So it's super important. And of course, it will change by time. So it will crystallize by time. And it will be much clearer, but at least try to, you know, put down something that you find important and relevant for the brand. And by time it can crystallize and, and be even clearer. Um, we have brands where we, as clients, where we help them to build the brand. So we created a brand guide for them. We helped with the, with the branded copywriting and all of these things because the owners just told us that they have not much idea about these things. They never did it. And, and we just help uh, them with these as well. Yeah. So, I if, yeah. I think if you consider the branding element of it, it's like, what is a brand? Well, a brand is, a brand is not like a, a physical thing, right? It's, it's more like yeah. an emotional thing or more like a feeling 
that people decide to align themselves with your brand because it resonates with them in a certain way because of your principles uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And that delineates down through your products because your principles inherently are the reason why you created your products, right? If you saw a specific problem in the marketplace or, you know, let's take, for example, Gymshark. Gymshark was founded on the, the basis that there was no good quality, fashionable um, bodybuilding yeah. and training clothing. That was a problem that the founder experienced himself. And even now, you know, they do hundreds of millions. They're a billion dollar company, but that is still at the center of what they do, irrespective of how many employees they have. They haven't lost that um, kind of centered belief around the reason why the business exists, which is why they're so successful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah. And uh, moving forward, so do you also have clients with uh, with creative creation? And if yeah, yes, so then we, how? We, how? We struggled with that initially because we were just like media buyers. Like <clears throat> I'm, I'm not in, uh, you know, at my core, a creative. I like the, the strategy side of things, the, the yeah. funnels, et cetera, et cetera. But we struggled with that because again, you know, people didn't come into working with us with the right expectation as to how many creatives we would actually need. And so we kept hitting stumbling blocks. And so we finally just had to kind of bite the bullet and, Recently, we built out like a UGC partner program um, where we work with another agency um, to generate content, UGC content on demand for our brands. Um, and then we also do a lot, a lot of repurposing uh, and editing and stuff like that and post-production. So let's say they have raw clips. Um, you know, typically brands don't really know what to do with raw clips unless you can actually put together a storyboard for them or you know, make them understand what what an end creative could look like with, with those sorts of pieces of content. So one of the things that we do now, and I recommend this to every single brand and every single agency out there that, that tries their hand at content in any stage, um, and we're by no means like a content creation agency, but something that we've started to do is um, every day our in-house designers do at least an hour of Facebook ad library research. So they search okay. for, because um, I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people don't know this, actually, the Facebook ad library recently changed to where you can literally define a country. Um, and then I think if you select all ads instead of like the political stuff that that Facebook option gives you, you can search by specific keywords. So let's say you sell a, a pet product, you can search for, uh, you know, pet food, pet harnesses, whatever else it could be. Um, and just hit enter. And that will actually show you all of your competitors as in that specific country that you're looking at. And then what you can do is scroll through the ads, see what is still active, but has been running for a long time. So let's say it's two, let's say the act, the, the date the, the ad started to run uh, is two months ago, but it's still active. Well, then you know that that brand is not just burning money on that ad. It must be something that's working. And those are the ones that you can pick out and kind of use for your own inspiration to create your own ads and build your own concepts around. So that's something that we really, really focus on because the idea needs to be good, right? We can't just have designers coming up with things, you know, randomly. Yeah. We, it needs to be centered around something that is uh, proven to an extent already before we add our own spin to it. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. Um, and so then once they have those concepts, they tend to either put them into like a Google Doc or just share them in our Slack channel and then all of our team kind of just, uh, you know, goes in and gives feedback, says what they like about the ad, say what they think is a strong point about the ad. Um, 
and then they go ahead and create that using the content we have for our brands. And I think that is a really good way to not only keep your designers uh, ideas fresh and to constantly have them churning out uh, content irrespective of your input, right? Because if you've got a designer on your team and they constantly need to be told what text to use, what transition to use, how long the creative should be, well, then they very, very quickly are going to become the bottleneck of the team because they can only produce if somebody else has taken the time to go into uh, Slack or go into your project management software, create an entire brief for them. By that point, the opportunity to run that creative is probably even gone. So, you know, that that is something that we focused on heavily. Uh, and I think it also serves to actually educate the rest of the team on what is a good Facebook ad? What, why, why is this ad better than this ad? And then even if they work in entirely different uh, kind of areas of the business, should they need to, you then have a team that becomes a lot more well-rounded just from an advertising perspective, irrespective of Facebook or, 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 or whatever platform, you then have a team that understands the importance of strong call to action, social proof, all of these different things that make up a good ad, right? So that's something that I would encourage every brand and every agency to implement, just consistently work on churning out content daily so that you have stuff to test yeah and it, it's not a problem if it's more than what you can use right more is better than than less yeah 100%. and at the beginning you uh so the your clients e-commerce clients they provided the content right but i guess there that was the bottleneck back then because they didn't provide enough and so on and then you started providing it and and uh, what people do you have for for content creation? You mentioned designer. I guess you have a copywriter, um, maybe video expert or video editors. Um, what kind of people someone needs to, um, you know, make the creatives? For I Facebook think if you ads? hire correctly, you can find a lot of those things in one person. That said, mm -hmm. you don't you don't want to have one person doing all of those things because again, they're just going to become the bottleneck and that will slow the rate down. Like if you have a dedicated videographer, a dedicated designer and a video editor, well then they can work collaboratively um, <clears throat> and churn out a lot more content than any one of them could do individually. But like uh, we've been lucky in that the designer and the video editor that we've hired um, is very, very skilled at both aspects. The photoshop and the design side as well as the video side as well as the facebook uh, understanding facebook creative side as well so i think those are the three things that you need to focus on the most and i wouldn't even go ahead and hire a videographer straight away um obviously mm -hmm. if you're if you're an extremely uh, well-established brand then you know you probably have already done so but i think it's very easy now um and i think a lot of people underestimate how easy it is to get user-generated content without having to do a whole lot for it. So like, for example, Ezra Firestone has uh, his brand Boom, which is, you know, extremely successful. And he always talks about building an ambassador program around your brand. So having your actual customers uh, and basically turning them into like content creation vehicles for your brand, which is, you know, extremely genius because if you can give them some sort of kickback, whether it's a discount code, free product, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to run you so much cheaper than any content creation agency, any yeah. actual individual influencer than that ever would, but they'd also be able to create much more volume for you at that rate. So then you have more stuff to test. 
you have more data points to look at to then be able to iterate for future briefs, et cetera, et cetera. So I think one of the big things that a lot of brands should do is look at platforms like Billow. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of others out there and just test them. And they're so cheap. Like Billow is like $59 a video, which if you can do 10 videos at a time or five videos at a time, you know, you can hold yourself one to two weeks, maybe even a month, depending on how they perform for you. Uh, within your ad account and you can obviously just replicate that across multiple channels whether it's snapchat tiktok and facebook um, and use those resources to be able to kind of bootstrap a team before you take on the uh, kind of in investment of you know videographers and studio space and all these different things which a lot of times you don't really need to run a successful e-commerce brand like the most successful e-commerce brands like one of the ones that i look at a lot is the udi um and they do so much UGC, it's unbelievable. And Sorry, what's the, what's the name of the brand? Can you repeat? The Udi. They sell okay. like the, the blanket hoodie thing. They're Australian brand. They did like 200 okay. million last year. Um, okay. And like, if you look at their content, a lot of it is UGC. And I, I guess it depends a lot on your product as well. Because like you can't sell high-end high -end fashion through UGC as much as you could uh, a blender, for example, or a pet product. But um i think definitely look at those resources for sure and just it, to sum it up like you want to have somebody who's good with video somebody who's good with photoshop and design and then somebody who's good with the actual video editing side of things as well yeah actually that's a great piece of advice that ugc is huge nowadays and uh at the beginning you don't need influencers to pay them and and too many creative people because your best creative people are your customers many times i was at the traffic and conversion conference in 2019 and there was a very young guy uh like 18 or 19 years old and he built a seven-figure businesses with some moms literally like he sold uh, socks to uh, moms and they these were uh, manufactured by moms so from moms to moms and he was just the guy who sold these through the Shopify store and the UGC videos came from these customers from the moms and uh, you know you know moms I, I mean they they just uh, they always talk to each other and, <laughs> and, and they always have a great community by nature so yeah, it was really interesting to see that. And the video quality was really bad for each video, but still they converted like crazy on Facebook. So, so yeah, UGC is, uh, is huge indeed. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you a story actually about UGC versus influencer uh, marketing. Early on in our agency, we started working with this brand, um, and they were heavy on the influencer side because they had a lot of cash. They were pretty successful. And so they could do, but we started to use some of their influencer content. And I didn't realize at the time when they shared the Google drive folder with me for the influencer content, they also accidentally shared some of the contracts that they had with the influencers. Um, and I stumbled upon them one time and I looked at like how much these influencers are getting paid to deliver these videos. And it was like two, three, four thousand dollars uh each yeah. and then i looked at the quality of the videos and we actually ended up running them and they never ever outperformed any other creative that we ran in the ad account and it's like all that investment 
with like you, you can do that successfully of course you can but all that investment without the best creative guidance without the best copywriting and storyboarding yeah. you just lead to like subpar results irrespective of how much money you have which i thought was interesting yeah 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 that's that's really interesting to hear yeah yeah so don't don't start out with influencers uh especially if it's your first business yeah, yeah. let's talk about your experience with different countries so now you you are from pakistan and you live in uh in the uk now but uh, i know you have uh or or maybe used to have clients from us european countries arabic countries and i'm really curious what differences you can see um let's let's categorize so maybe north america compared to uk and eu and arabic countries um on my side or or, or my agency side we have clients mostly from north america uk europe and we have two from india and i th- think we used to have from brazil and and south america as well um and australia new zealand but i think that's pretty similar to the us actually so mm-hmm. it's interesting to see these different uh, countries especially india and arabic countries uh for us it was really different than let's say european or or american countries just the channels how people use those is just very different uh, in india chat applications are huge similar to china so i i'm curious what what's your experience yeah i think obviously north america the uk australia new zealand and even some of europe you find like the most sophisticated consumers right so these are these are the countries where typically you know technology like shopify is created and so these are like the first adopters so typically you have more trust you have more adoption rates etc with these sorts of cu- customers but when you go to like for example the middle east we have two clients that sell uh, pretty extensively in the middle east uh, one of them who actually does wholesale in the middle east as well as e-commerce and then the other one who just does e-commerce and i think the way that people use facebook in those countries is very very different uh, compared to kind of what you know we use it for in the uk or what what american people use it for um and i think there's a lot more of a i don't know i don't want to say social aspect to it but i feel like it is it's like it's a lot more social there like i just sometimes tend to observe the comments of our ads in on those markets and we see a lot more tagging from different people uh, you know tagging their friends tagging mm-hmm. their family etc um and i think in those countries if you can um kind of localize your purchasing experience which we haven't done yet by the way but it's definitely something that we want to because the way they perceive products is very very different like a lot of the comments that, for one of our clients is a sunglasses brand um and you know you can sell in the UAE all year round because it's always hot there so that's why we sell there a lot um and like literally every single comment on the ads we see is like what is the price uh so like some some person will comment what is the price the brand will literally reply with the exact price the next comment will be what is the price and then it's like it just keeps on going like that and i think um i think that has a lot to do with the adoption rate of e-commerce in those places because um and like the same with india from what i know as well like cash on delivery is a big part of e-commerce yeah. in in india right yeah yeah how 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 do your clients navigate that have you seen uh have you have you guys tried that or do you just mostly uh check out through the website and and get the payment before 
Sorry, what is your question? So how have your clients in India, um, mm -hmm. do they use cash on delivery or do they just um, kind of do the traditional e-commerce, which is just payment through the website? Uh, they do cash on delivery and same with Latin American countries. Bra Brazil has, uh, I forgot the name, it's some local thing and merchants don't like it because like 50... 40-50% of people, they usually don't uh, pay uh, with, with, so, you know, it's delivered and then they just don't pay it and the product goes back and the revenue is still reported in Shopify. So uh, it's pretty bad. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's big in Brazil and in India. I don't know about Arabic countries, about the Emirates, for example. Uh here in Eastern Europe, where I am now, it's also really big. We still have it, and it's just not good for the cash flow of the business, for sure. Yeah, especially if the revenue is still being reported. That can be <laughs> yeah. confusing. Yeah, I think another thing with working with those markets is something that we like to do is localize. We, we haven't had the ability to localize the actual websites yet, but I think that is the next step but we'll try and localize the creatives as much as possible and the copy. So like with mm -hmm. the Arabic, uh, uh, the Arabic market, we, on one of our brands, we write all of the copy in Arabic. Um, and the other one, we write it all in English. Um, mm -hmm. and with that brand that runs it in Arabic, we actually tested running their ads in English first, uh, and the Arabic just massively outperformed it, which obviously makes sense. But yeah, I think that is, like it, it's, it's the same thing, right? Like if you're, if you're a UK based brand trying to sell to a UK customer, you're going to try and find content from people that look as similar to your customer as possible. But I think that's something that people neglect when they try and expand into different markets because they just assume the content works here. So it should work there as well. Um, yeah. So like the other brand, the, one of the brands that we sell for uh, in uh, Saudi Arabia, we're now even expanding to Nigeria. Um, and so like, you know, we've, we've taken the same learnings that we've had from the Arabic experience and, and applied that there as well. So like it's subtle changes, like using, uh, Nigerian women in the actual creatives because the product is nail polish. So most mm -hmm. of the thing that you're going to see is the hand, right? So you want to, you want to see a hand that looks like your hand. If the, if the hand is not, uh, you know, if the hand is not black and you're black, it's not going to resonate with you as much as it would do if, if it was the opposite. And so those sorts of things are really, really important. Um, and then obviously the end goal is to be able to localize the website, all of the copy on the website, et cetera. Um, but that is, that is, I think, is a long way off yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you look at big uh, international companies, they do it in a really pro level. Um, when they are in many many countries and they use the local influencers um of course the national language and and all of these so so yeah it's a long way to go uh, on the other hand there are countries where it's not as important so um there was a guy uh, a few episodes ago here and uh in uh, Scandinavian countries, English copy works quite well, but in Germany, it doesn't. German people, you know, maybe English level is not as good or they just prefer German. Same with France, same with Italy, while in the Netherlands, it works quite well or, or in Sweden. So it, it's, it depends on the country a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing a lot of brands tend to do is 
when they do go after like if you're a european brand or if they're a uk-based brand let's say and you want to go after european markets it's very easy when you're running ads to those markets just to like tick the english speaking box but it's crazy the actual impact that it has on your audience size mm -hmm. when you only like you'd be surprised the amount of people who have their facebook feeds in languages other than english um and i think that's where it really really matters to translate your ad copy um, but not just word for word, like actually into how people would speak in that country. Um, that's yeah. something that we learned the hard way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like regular translators, they are really bad for conversion. We, we always, we also tried it at the beginning. Now we just go straight for uh, local copywriters. It's just much better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah thank you uh, for coming here today and sharing all of these it was really interesting to hear about facebook ads the ios changes the creatives and what really matters if uh, anyone wants to find you and your company where they should go so you can find our company season-media.co um, you can find me on instagram at sufian.asg so the first three letters of my surname uh, you find me on facebook at my full name uh, sufian asga um and yeah that's pretty much it yeah and we will put the link uh, or all of these links into the description in on the website so anyone can uh, find these and thanks again everyone and we are coming out with an episode every thursday so stay tuned thank you so much man appreciate it hope you enjoyed this episode of the ecom show podcast if you want to learn more about e-commerce retention marketing check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.